Well, good morning, everyone. How are we? Are we well? Has Phil sent you into a kind of soporific, sort of sneezy state? Are you comfortable? Excellent. <laughs> I intend to do something about that. So, um, for those of you unsuspecting people who weren't aware, our serious title at the moment is, Is Your Christianity Too Safe? He says, talking about this being a safe place. Last week we had uh, Barry stirring us up on embracing the mess. Um, Today my message is entitled, Have You Opened the Door Wide? Actually, next week we have Martin Robson's going to preach on Psalm 23, which I think is going to be very significant. Then two more weeks of this series before we move on. What we've been talking about here, I guess, is what we might miss if we isolate ourselves in that comfort bubble. Might we miss the adventure? Might we miss the purpose? Might we miss the supernatural move of God? Might it pass us by? Too busy keeping ourselves safe and comfortable. And Might we miss that, that transformational breakthrough power of God that we long for? So the challenge that I've laid before you really through this series is are we prepared to press into the fullness of what God has for us or are we going to settle right here where it's nice and warm and fluffy and fuzzy and comfortable? And the emphasis today with that statement in mind is how we press in. As I said, that the challenge for us today is have we... Have we opened the door to God wide? And I suppose that will apply to us in a corporate sense, to collectively together, it will apply for us individually in our walk with God. Leads to questions like this. Is your heart soft and pliable in his hands? Or are you perhaps reluctant or even, dare I say, resistant for for whatever reason. Is is your heart fertile soil? Or is it rocky ground? I'm going to, I like to do this from time to time, throw before you a personal inventory this morning, a handful of questions, and I'd like you in your own minds to answer this question on a sliding scale of 0 to 10, where 0 is barn door bolted, absolutely shut as could be, uh, and number 10 is wide open, the horses have already gone probably. Okay, so between 0 and 10, I give you these questions, just think what number might be in your head, uh, and maybe ask yourself what number you'd really like it to be. Okay, and we'll, we'll, we'll go on the journey from there. So question number one is... If you were in a place where the Holy Spirit was tangibly and genuinely and noticeably at work, would he find your heart wide open or tightly closed? Your answer between zero and ten. Here's here's question number two. Are Are you quick to respond? Or do you tend, if you're honest, to dig your heels in a bit? 
could, could ask it like this. How much convincing do you need to say yes? Here's number three. Number three is, is your worship safe or is it on the edge? Do you tend to, to, to hide behind that, that wall of flesh or is that wall just gone? Would you describe your worshipful response to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, would you describe that as risk-free or totally surrendered? Scale of naught to ten. Question number four, there are five questions, nearly, nearly there. Question number four is, how safe is your prayer life? Let me ask you this, when was the last time you prayed a dangerous prayer. And then number five, forgive me for this one, is are you, are you let me hide right here in my safe back row seat or are you gagging for the opportunity to run to the front and fall to your knees with all that represents? I get to the end of that list and I can hear you muttering to yourselves, Hang on, Jamie. You're meddling now. All that stuff's a little personal. It's a little raw. It's a little bit close to the edge. All that's between me and the Lord. To which I'd say you're quite right. But you knew the series title and you still turned up. And I'm preaching this message this morning because I am utterly convinced that God has so much more for you. I'm utterly convinced that you can have fullness. But to get there, you might have to be prepared to let go of safe. Oh, Jamie, you had me right until then. To, to get there, you might have to come out behind the wall and open yourself up to whatever God has for you. You know, safe and, comf- safe and comfortable, it might be tempting, but it does come with a cost. And the cost is, is things like this. As you enfold those protective walls around you, the danger is you start to close up. The danger is you start to become cold and unavailable. Think back into the context of the last few weeks, you might even start to become so self-defensive that you start to become judgmental, even irritable in your Christianity. Safe and comfy might be tempting, but it comes with a cost. The, The danger is you start to become hardened, even inert, to the purposes and the passions of God's heart. The the danger is you start to to hide behind excuses. You start to look to pass the buck as a sort of defence mechanism, I guess. And the danger is, as we've said before, that you start to withdraw yourself slightly. You start to withdraw yourself from the action. You start to withdraw yourself from the adventure that we're convinced that Christianity should be. And and finally on my list, the danger is that by immunising yourself against threat, you cease to be a danger. 
I'll say that again. By immunizing yourself against any form of threat or, or risk or boldness, the danger is you cease to become a danger to the enemy. In other words, you effectively close the door of your heart. We do that for many reasons. I'm not going to go into that in great deal, but just to throw out a few. One of the reasons that we, we close, slowly close the door of our hearts, we start to hide and harden, we start to hide and become cold. The first reason is just fear. You know, possibly fear of failure or, or fa- fear of inadequacy. I, I can't. I just can't. So, so, you know, I'll just, I'll hide back here. I'll just tuck myself in, fold those walls around me. Fear of, of excess or hype, possibly. How about this one? A fear of God making significant demands that you're just not sure you can meet. I think we do it sometimes because we just want to protect those open wounds. You know, that's part of that withdrawal, part of that retreat. I'm just going to protect those open wounds of rejection and disappointment. Just not going there again. And we start to close up. I think we also do it, frankly, because we're ignorant, ignorant of God's goodness. You know, we've just spent 20 minutes singing about the goodness of God. Why would you close yourself up to that, you say to yourself, in your sane moments? And, and if we do that, if, if, if we're ignorant of the goodness of God, that, that, that automatically sets a limit on our expectation. And, and, and so our fear of God starts to become corrupted and so we start to withhold our trust of him because we have the wrong kind of fear of him because we don't understand how good he is and so we start to, to back off. Final reason on my little list here is, is the reason we close up, the reason that we back off, the reason that we don't press in is because that's what Christianity or that's what church looks like to you. Maybe that's just your experience. Maybe you've never been taught any different. And therefore you have low expectations. Frankly, your expectations of church and Christianity are looking okay and staying out of trouble. And I'd say, you know, if, if any of those factors are making your decisions for you, God wants to set you free. God wants to set you free. You know, there's nothing more, nothing that God would like more than for you to open the door wide to him. And you know what, if you do that, it will set your Christian life on fire. And if you do that, it'll give you a, a level of intimacy. It'll give you a, a hope. It'll give you a purpose really worth living for. Okay, at this point, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ram batter you with the good news. Anyone up for a little good news this morning? Good, I got a response for that one, Darren. Remember that one? Okay, four verses, and I'm going to look at them very briefly. Hebrews 4, verse 16. None of these are going to be a surprise to you. 
Here's our invitation. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Okay, that image of God upstairs with the fire and the brimstone and the big stick. I don't see that in this verse. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. What do we think we're going to get when we go to God? What do we think we're going to get when we open up our hearts to him? And Why would we, in the light of that verse, why would we even begin to close it up? Verse number 2, Romans 8, verses 31 and 32. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? It's a great chapter, chapter 8. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And then this little verse I've never quite seen before. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? I'll come back to that. Luke 11, verses 9 and 10, familiar to you. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. This is good news, folks. Unpackage it in a minute. And 2 Corinthians 3, 17, actually 16 and 17. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's gone. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay, first one. Hebrews 4, verse 16. Next slide, I think. Um, okay, if that's right. Hebrews 4, 16. Unlimited mercy and unlimited grace. You, you have a lavish and a warm and an unfettered invitation to his presence. And do you know what? You can approach boldly. Amen. Romans 8 verse 31. God is wholeheartedly for you. So don't believe any of the lies which try to tell you that he's against you. And here's, here's the second half of that verse. You know, if he willingly gave you the thing that cost him the most, I Jesus on the cross, if he willingly was prepared to give you the thing that cost him the most, there's no reason to believe that God will hold anything else. Logical, right? Luke 11, 9 and 10, there are no impediments to your asking and your seeking and your knocking. God is longing to be found. Amen. He is anxious to give. His, his door is already wide open. So I'm subtle, I know, but that's the point I'm trying to make here. God's door for you is wide open. And this is where um, 2 Corinthians 3 comes in. You know, the veil has been taken away. You go back into Old Testament times, you had the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. You had this massive, great, incredibly high, thick veil of curtain between you and where the priest could minister and where Joe Ordinary Public could be. There was this massive, great veil. That veil has been taken away. 
It is no longer that any separation between you and him was dealt with on the cross. And as a result of that, as a result of the presence of God breaking out, you have at your disposal everything the Holy Spirit is and has and does. Verse 18. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is total and utter freedom. Amen. You know, that, that little package there is really, really good news. And that is what God the Father is inviting you all into. That, that is what Jesus died on the cross to restore. And that is what the ministry of the Holy Spirit facilitates. Here's the reality. His door is wide open. The question becomes, what about yours? What about yours? So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to work through a little passage in Revelation chapter 3. And this is one of of John's uh, end time letters to the, the seven letters to seven end time churches. And these letters include warnings, and they include rebukes, and they include counsel, and they include exhortations. Each each one of those is underpinned by this statement, which says, Let he who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And we're just going to unpackage for a few minutes here, probably the most well-known ones of those, which is his letter to the church in Laodicea, the lukewarm one. Okay, so you know what's coming. And it's found in Revelation 3. I'm going to read 14 to 22. Big, long pack. And then I'm going to unfold it. Okay, it goes like this. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. See why I gave the good news? I'm joking. This is good news. Verse 18. So I advise you, to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. Verse 19, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Verse 20, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, so now you're starting to see why we're in this passage, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. This is the Amen talking. 21, those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. So in this this passage, there are two strong warnings and there are three 
words of advice, and then a little bit more tagged on the end. The two strong warnings. The first one is found in verses 15 and 16. So next slide, I think, Michaela, if that's okay. It's, it's don't be lukewarm. Uh, and what God is saying here is that obviously hot is best, but, but, but even cold is better than lukewarm. In fact, God says, these are strong words, he says, lukewarm makes me want to spit you out of my mouth. What does he mean by lukewarm? I think lukewarm means, means half in. Lukewarm means dipping in and out. Lukewarm means partially committed. It means going through the motions. It means, means externally religious, but internally dead. Do you know what? That is not what God wants for you. And that is not what God wants from you. Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. God wants your passion. God wants your commitment. God wants to be your first love. And Jesus was all in, all in. And so you can see why lukewarm just doesn't do it for him. Verse 17. You say I am rich. James translation. But you're deluding yourself. In fact, you don't even know what you're missing. In reality, or spiritually speaking, you are miserable, wretched, poor, blind, and naked. Ouch! But the good news is, there is a spiritually rich. And this is where the letter heads next. And we come to the three actions in response. The first one, verse 18, it's all in verse 18 actually, verse 18a. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire. Then, then you'll be rich. We have a picture here of the refiner's fire. You know, you understand the picture. We have this massive vat with, with all the ore and all the metal and all the crud and all the bits, and you begin to heat it up. And you heat it up and you heat it up, and the hotter it gets, the, the more of the rubbish and the nonsense and the crud and the dirt and the rocks, all of that comes off, gets sifted away, and you're left with something that's beautiful and pure and precious. The message here is, I advise you, to buy gold from me. Ask for it. Invite it. Don't avoid it. Sometimes I think we avoid it because it's a bit hot in that furnace. We've talked about that already. Don't avoid it. Embrace it and value it and then you'll be rich. You may not be safe. may not be particularly comfy. But spiritually rich. So number one is buy gold 
from the fire. Number two, second part of that verse, also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. This, this is a picture of holiness. And again, you have to buy it. Again, there's a cost. Now, now we understand there is a sense in which you have been made positionally holy in God's sight by the blood of Jesus. We understand that. But it's also, Scripture makes clear that it's also something that you have to put on. As if it's a garment that you have to wear. Paul put it like this, Colossians 3 verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy and kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Again, we have to buy those white garments. There's a cost. Number three, 18 verse eight, Also says, by ointment for your eyes, so you'll be able to see. Remembering that he's already accused them of being spiritually blind amongst all those other things. What we have here is a picture of Holy Spirit revelation. So we've had the finest fire. We've had a picture of holiness. Now we've got a picture of Holy Spirit revelation. Anointing oil for your eyes. So you're able to see what God sees. And the point is, is without that, you're spiritually blind. Without that, you can only see outlines. Without that, it, it's out of focus. Without that, it's, it's foggy. Without that, you miss the detail and the colour and the beauty. But you know what? The Holy Spirit, that ointment for your eyes, the Holy Spirit is the revealer. He's the one who leads you into truth. He's the one who shows you Jesus, he's the one who opens the eyes of your heart so you can see. I advise you to buy these three things. And then he goes on in verse 19 to say, I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. You know, the fact is that God is at work in your life right now. Here's the question I think he's asking here. Are you paying attention? And here's the heart piece. Are you, are you submitting to that or are you resisting that? Makes me wonder, right now in your life, if God is at work, what is he, what's he doing right now? In the thick of it, in the middle of the circumstance you're in right now, what is God doing? Because I guarantee you he is. What, what is God allowing right now? Here's another one. What is God challenging right now? And then the question becomes, it's what this little passage is about, is, is your heart then open to allow him in? To allow him in to mould and to soften and to transform and to liberate? Then verse 20. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. This is written to the church, folks. I stand at the door and knock. Do you know what? He is knocking at your door. 
The question is, are you answering? Here's a meddling thought for you. If you are facing significant challenges right now, could it be, and the answer could be yes or no, so don't get angry with me, could it be because you're resisting his work? Could it be that you're resisting that refining, that correction, and that discipline? Or could it be that you're spurning his invitation in the light of this verse? I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it could be. We probably can all stick hands up and say at times in my life, you know what, God's been knocking and I've been saying, no, 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 no. And that does create a knock-on inevitably. Because he is at the door and he's knocking. And as it says here, if you, if you hear his voice and if you open the door, it says he will come in. So I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. And, and if we'll let him in, that, that opens the door to relationship. It opens the door to fellowship. It opens the door to intimacy. And it opens the door to the fullness that, frankly, we're all longing for. So that brings us back around full circle, if you like, to my inventory. Is your door open or not? I, I tell you what I reckon. I reckon probably for most of us there's a tendency to open it just a little, a jar. And our prayer goes something like this, whether we realise or not. A little bit, Lord, but, but not too much. The danger is we, we invite in just enough to be safe but not quite enough to be dangerous. And so the question today is, what if we were to open it wide? What if we were to really let him in? I said this applies corporately, it applies individually to your life and your heart. Okay, so here's my challenge. I said, you haven't challenged already, Jamie, what are you doing? Okay, four challenges for you today. Number one. Are you prepared to pray dangerous prayers? Or are all your prayers safe prayers designed to keep you and yours safe? Well, there's nothing wrong with those prayers, I think. But, but are we prepared to pray a dangerous prayer? And here's the warning for you. And you've already heard my personal example. God loves answering dangerous prayers. Prayers. Here's one of David's. Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. And I'm going to pray that today. Test me, God. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Would you pray that prayer? I was reminded um, this week of, of that lion and the, wi- lion, the witch and the wardrobe scene where, where Mrs. Beaver is preparing Sari and Lu- Sar- Susan and Lucy to meet Aslan the lion. Remember the scene, I'll quote it. Make, make no mistake, if there's anyone who can before, appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Aslan's not safe. Deep inhalation of breath. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. 
Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he is good. He's the king, I tell you. And God loves answering those dangerous, stretching prayers. So number, challenge number one is, just have a little think about your prayer life. Is it safe? Is it all about make me healthy and wealthy and strong and well and God bless? And, or are we prepared to pray for those dangerous ones? Okay, number two. Um, are you prepared to be yielded in worship? You know, I picked out a couple of the songs that, that we sing. We sing, holding nothing back. We sing, all to Jesus, I surrender. The emphasis being on the word, all. We sing, it's all about you. Here's the challenge. What if it really was and what if we really did? Would we be prepared to be undignified in worship like David? You remember that story? Dancing before the Lord in a not altogether respectable state in front of his wife who got grumpy with him. I suppose I, I, I don't want to dwell too much on worship. It's not a worship message, but I, I, I just want to throw this out there. You know, we sang today about falling down on our knees before the Lord. It's, if our hearts open, aren't we going to fall down on our knees before the Lord? I remember sitting on a keyboard probably about 12 years ago on an evening worship night, church in Collingwood, playing uh, a song called Face Down by Matt Redman. It goes, we fall face down. It's basically it's all the song is. I didn't know the verse, so we just sung the chorus. We fall face down. And I looked around the room and nobody was falling face down. And something inside me, I mean, it'd be brilliant, but something inside of me jabbed me and said, there's something wrong with this picture. (laughs) This is a challenge. Are you prepared to be yielded in worship? Given the invitation of the Lord that we've seen today, or are we still holding back for whatever reason, whether it's our fears, whether we don't want to rock the boat. Maybe we're worried about what will happen if we do. God will demand something of me that will upset my safe and comfortable world. And I'm right there with you folks. I said on week one, I love safe and comfortable. I love warm and fuzzy. That's why the puppy photo was on the screen, right? Are you prepared to be yielded in worship? Number three, this is a kingdom culture value in this church. Are you prepared to be radical in response? You know, I, I, I see a culture, that's us, I see a culture that, that metaphorically speaking or practically speaking cannot get to the front in response quick enough. Where responding is seen as a position of strength rather than an admission of weakness. In other words, as you see someone respond, it's, it's not, oh my word, they must have a lot of problems, they've gone up again. But actually what you're saying is there's someone who's hungry for God, who wants more of God, is authentic and humble, and they've gone to the front. That's fantastic. Responding to the Lord should be a position of strength, not an admission of weakness. Did you read the four scriptures I put on the board? 
I see a culture where, where if I haven't had the opportunity to respond to God, I go home a little disappointed. For me, the way this looks like for me is I, one of the worship songs got to put me on my knees. Otherwise, I feel I've missed out a bit because I think that's probably because that's where I belong. <laughs> At least I'm honest enough to realise that. I, I see a picture where every week the, the altar, as it were, is full of people just hungry for more of God. That's what I see. Are we prepared to be radical in response? Or are we just happy to be safe and comfortable? Last one, I'm nearly done. Are you prepared to be totally surrendered? And I'll just, I'll just put it like this. There is nothing, there is nothing that God cannot do with a fully Submitted, humbled, receptive, responsive heart. There is nothing that God cannot do in that heart. Don't know what you need from the Lord today. But there is nothing that God cannot do in that heart. And a similar line, there is nothing God cannot do with a fully submitted, humbled, receptive, responsive church. We want to see the move of God. If we want to see that transformation power, if we want to see that breakthrough, if we want to see the lost saved and the kingdom advancing and the world turned upside down, there is nothing that God cannot do without a, a church's heart that is pulsing and on fire and open and authentic and humble and open and on its knees. There is nothing that God cannot do in that place. So my challenge for you today, I'm finished, is can you today, I've given you four challenges, can you today move one step forward in response to one of those challenges today? One step, one step. Why don't we stand, invite Phil, thank you and the team to come forward. I'm just going to pray. And... um, and then I'm just going to leave it pretty much open today. The, work, the ministry team will be over there in the corner. They're happy to pray for you. If you want to do business with God, if you, if you want to pray a dangerous prayer, if you want to be yielded in worship, if you want to be radically responsive, the front's available to you if, if that's the way you choose to go. I'm just going to pray very simply, Lord, would you burst us wide open? Whatever the things that are holding us back, closed and cold, individually in our own lives or corporately together as a church, we invite you in right now to blow those away. Holy Spirit, come minister to our hearts. Come soften us. Come open us. Come fill us so you can use us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.